Welcome to NREI's Common Area Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning editorial staff at NREIOnline.com. Let's jump right into this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to The Common Area with your host, David Bodemer. Good morning, David. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. This is, it's a beautiful Monday morning. It's snowing where I am. Is it snowing where you're at? No, it's <laughs> raining. Oh, okay. <laughs> so well, we, it we was both. a wet, a wet commute and, and, uh, somehow what's always amazing in New York city is that even though we're underground, the rain always slows the subway down. <laughs> Really? It's gonna like plow through it or I'm just I, mean, <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know why, but it's it's just like whenever it rains, you know you're gonna get delayed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we don't have too much of that problem here. You just have people sliding across multiple lanes of traffic and you know, all that fun stuff with snow. So oh, that's always fun. Oh yeah. All right. So normally we talk about, you know, we recap some news story, we we talk about what's kind of been going on. We're we're doing something different uh this week. Now, from what I understand, you did some traveling. Yes, I went up to Toronto for most of last week. I was attending a couple of conferences held back-to-back in in Toronto. One was called the Global Property Market, and one was the annual Toronto Real Estate Forum. These are actually two shows that are run by um, a sister part of our parent company, Informa, called Real Estate Forums, which operates a whole bunch of uh, commercial real estate conferences in Canada. So what was interesting for me is that, you know, we do touch on cross-border investment in our coverage, but we are largely focused on the U.S. market. And the way we even look at foreign investment is almost entirely in reference to either what U.S. investors are doing overseas or how foreign investors are investing in the U.S. So for me, this was an opportunity to actually go and uh, meet with and see a bunch of sessions that was just entirely almost entirely about another market and just about like what and and get a sense of what are some of the trends for commercial real estate in Canada big focus on Toronto but then also how it was also very interesting to see how what happens in the US how how what's happening in the US economy how what's happening with US commercial real estate has some knock on effects into how they're making decisions to invest in in, in Canada itself and then they even talked some about the way that they're investing uh, in other markets. So there was it was there was a lot to um, unpack, but it was just like this really interesting um, set of events and a lot of really great speakers that I got to got to got to experience. Nice, nice. So I mean, it, it, you had to, you were there for for pretty much the entire week, or at least most of it. And yeah. uh, I mean, that's a lot to digest, right? I mean, that's a <laughs> I'm sure you had tons of different meetings, tons of different speakers. What were some of the highlights for you? What, what were some of your? I don't. I don't know if I would call them favorite parts, but where did you learn the most? What did you? What was your biggest takeaways? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the biggest. Well, I was struck a lot by hearing so many investors and pros and whatnot talk about sort of change the framework a little bit about how they're seeing this current cycle. And and this is something we've been writing about too. You know, we're 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 a decade into this expansion period after the wreckage from the la, you know the Great Recession, the credit crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had mm-hmm. this long boom, long both economically and specifically in commercial real estate. And for I don't know, like 
two or three years, we you know, a, a, a very common analogy that people have talked about is, you know, okay, what inning are we in in the cycle? Are we in the sixth inning? Mm-hmm. Are we in the seventh inning? And mm-hmm. and for a while, it's like, oh, we have to be in the ninth inning. But when you're in these late innings for several for several years in a row, suddenly that analogy starts to break down. Yeah, yeah. Which is how they kind of talked about it. So it's like maybe we're not in a baseball game anymore, <laughs> <laughs> or or maybe it's rain delayed because of the subway issues and all the yeah, rain. Or, and we're, yeah, we're in extra, extra innings now. Yeah, yeah. So like you know, we're either in extra innings, you know, which again is just like beating <laughs> a dead analogy. To, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need to find uh, a new, what you're saying is we need to find a new analogy, right? It's it's yeah, a, and, yeah. Okay, and 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 or even even like a new analogy, or even like this conception of of maybe even the cycle has changed. Oh, like where okay. rather than thinking about this being a conventional cycle that we've entered a period, like perhaps we've entered a period of low growth and low interest rates and low inflation. And with those kind of and with that kind of combination, real estate actually sits pretty nicely. You mm-hmm. know, when you mm-hmm. have low overall GDP growth, there's not a there that means there's uh, real estate looks good as as an as an asset class. Uh, low inflation, you know, means you know asset prices are not getting out of control and your costs are not getting out of control. So you have fairly stable cost and income structures. And low rates, of course, are you know just great for bar you know for borrowing and buying in the sector. I mean it. It also gives you some some the spread between cap rates and interest rates. You know, it gives you a little bit. Of, it gives you a nice cushion. So even if mm-hmm. even though cap rates are pretty low and interest rates stay low, you have that spread, which points to, to commercial real estate still being a good investment. So, so so that was put forward by I think more than one person as a potential sort of period we may be in. People pointed to Japan. You know, like. As, as a precedent for this, of an economy where you had low, you know, just low interest rates forever, <laughs> and low growth forever, but general stability, uh, and not so like you know, not necessarily looking for massive GDP growth or anything, but also not a recessionary kind of situation. And in which case, that's an acceptable environment for commercial real estate. Yes. Yeah, so how long did J- uh, Japan's cycle, if you want to call it that, last? With with that as the example, I mean, I think. I think they, I mean, they got down to low zero interest rate. I can't remember. I mean, it's been like decades at this point. Mm. Wow. They, okay. You know, I mean, I think they've, they've kind of had more robust periods with the global economy, but I mean, they've had near 0% interest rates for a very long time. Mm. Um, they were, you know, and like, which, which I think re- relates to another point that, that I was found interesting in this show, uh, in the, in these shows which is, you know, in the U.S., we're in this period of like, okay, we were raising rate, you know, the Fed was raising rates and now is cutting rates again and people are worried about, there's been some talk about are they getting too aggressive and what what does this all mean and some concern about it. But a lot of the investors here who are working, especially the ones who are working in other countries, are, are pointing out that interest rates in the U.S. are still higher than they are in most other countries in the world. Hmm. So it's still like even with the, the rates coming down, they're not that concerned about it because, like, every, in other places, they have zero percent or negative interest rates. So, like, even the fact that like the U.S. has is still kind of seen as a an attractive market, even on bonds, even with the rate, you know, the, the return on rates coming down a little bit. All right, with with all the you know speakers and all the different. Now, first of all, were you all in just one big room and then the speakers just came up, or did you have breakout sessions? Did you get to move around a little bit? I mean, my legs would get tired. I mean, as far as just like falling <laughs> asleep and stuff, <laughs> did you get a little bit of mobility there? 
a lot of the a lot of the sessions were general sessions just for the whole conference, and uh-huh. and and it was interesting because like the it was the first part of the global property market was a smaller group, I think uh, about 600 people. And that was just all in one room for the whole day with breaks. Then the, the Toronto real estate forum was held over a couple of days about maybe it was like half and half of some of the sessions being general, but like in a room with about a lot more people, it's almost, I think 2,600 people wow. were at the show. Jeez. So it was, that was, it was interesting being these, you know, these big panel discussions with this like giant audiences and then, um, but then there were also some breakouts where and concurrent sessions for the other half of the conference, where there'd be four or five sessions happening at once. So those were, you know, with smaller groups. Yeah, I'm 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 a big fan of those the panel type discussions because it's not one person just up there giving a speech. It's it, there's a lot of interaction and there's a lot of yeah. You know, I, I think there's more ideas that come out of that uh, just because I can hear different people's voices, whether it's just ideas and takeaways for me or just kind of a, a them all working together towards some some finer points of what they're what they're getting at. So I I, I like that a lot better. But what else did yeah. you really take away from from this uh, adventure up in Canada? I was struck uh, as well by how many of the speakers regardless of what the core topic of the session w- was came back to talking about technology. Oh really? And yeah. And in a way that I kind of like hadn't really thought about, like, you know, for obviously technical change is always happening. And, you know, I've been covering this industry for almost 20 years now and seeing some evolution in that time. But for a lot of it, it was always just about adopting a specific kind of software or just certain parts of the, of the work process become that, that were done a different way, becoming a little more efficient or becoming digitized or digitizing documents that kind of thing. Now it seems like we're at a phase where the kind of changes are are, are pretty mind bending, <laughs> where, mm. where people are talking about bringing AI into the industry in various ways, and then using that to also just shorten, uh, automate processes and shorten processes and change how people can do their day to day jobs. Like um, um, one of the more concrete examples of that is. For uh, lenders, when they're going through the process of approving loans, using AI to review documents and then review the performance of loans and learn from that so that as new applications come in, they get smarter and smarter about, you know, which are the loans that are performed, which are the, which are, who are the borrowers that are performed and, and getting, and I think maybe finding and doing pattern recognition and things that go beyond what we're currently capable of doing. And in the process, also shortening the approval periods for getting loans approved. So, which then changes, you know, takes some of the stuff off of the plate of what the the people that are approving the loans would have to be doing, allows them to do, you know, do more deal sourcing, do more other, you know, take some of the, some of their, their work off of their plate to be, to allow them to focus on other things. So they were talking about it in ways that like both can improve the performance of, you know, we'll have less defaults, we'll close loans faster, uh, we'll also then be able to free people up to do more deal sourcing. So kind of just cre- using a technology to create like efficiencies in ways that uh, you couldn't just do even with like a spreadsheet. Mm. Uh, you know, AI is going to be everywhere. I mean, that's, and it's, yeah. it's interesting how, it's going to be in every sector of every type of field out there eventually. Uh, and it, 
for better or worse, right? I mean, that, that's the question. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and especially you, David, I, I, when PCs were a little bit newer, I was totally geeked out on them and, and, you know, you can change the different sounds in the machine and so on and so forth. And so out of curiosity, do you have the HAL 9000 thing where it says, I'm sorry, Dave, I can't do that thing get that <laughs> on your computer whenever there's an I error? Think- Great. I think I may have had that once. <laughs> you just got to get you got to get it back now because you're. I mean, now you're talking about this stuff. So, really, from your take, how, how do you think AI is really going to affect the real estate industry in, in this in this next five to ten years? I think it could be that first example. I think as a way that helped me understand it, I could see that similar sort of AI playing a role in helping automate pro, like lease signings and. Various part, various sections of how of of what's happening with deals, Mm -hmm. automating maybe some of the legal processes. I don't know some some of the document processes, the stuff that kind of like that just takes a while because there takes time to process it, takes time to originate. But if like that kind of stuff can be sped up at the end of the day because it's not really something, and, and and it's also something that where the AI can be learning and getting better at. You know that's that seems. Like there's a lot of potential there for how it's helping close deals of all types, closing investment deals, closing financing, closing leasing. And I guess the question is, you know, obviously the elephant in the room when we talk about all this stuff is at what point are you complimenting someone's job or are you replacing someone's job? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, but I think we had that with automation as far as being able to program something for triggering events. Right. So yeah. just as a, as a really dumb example, I suppose, but I bought a, a, an echo dot recently, you know, on cyber Monday, I bought, there, there was a huge deal on Alexa echo dot. Well, I can program Alexa to do a series of things with one command. So if I say something, so if I say Alexa, go to sleep immediately, she lowers her own volume down to two. She says a statement, she arms my the security cameras she turns off certain lights and then she starts playing some music well i programmed that all in advance so i just say one statement she does all of th- those things automatically we've had mm-hmm. that basic ability for paperwork and and financial advisors and insurance agents and and real estate agents they've had that ability to have triggering events but the ai takes it to another level i think we're quite right. a long way away from eliminating an assistant or an executive assistant with ai I think that it will complement their job beautifully for quite right. a while until it does eventually take over, you know? So, um, <laughs> but I think we're quite a few years from that. What are your thoughts? I think so too. And I, I mean, although it seems like it's coming faster than I thought, but I agree with that. And also, I think there was another example where it was also what AI is allowing to do is not, re, there, there's the situations I talked about where it could be maybe replacing or speeding up processes, but there's also the things that AI can do that wouldn't be replacing a job, but is is just going to help everybody. And one of the economists used an example of they used AI to basically read like every newspaper article oh, yeah. that had been printed in like the past like thirty years to, and then like to to analyze how often certain phrases that try to create an index around uncertainty. And then we're able mm-hmm. to do that. So, like by reading all of this news coverage, which which I which no person or even a group of people would be able to do, but AI can do, you know, read all the stuff, analyze it, cr- create this index of how of certain things to create a new uncertainty index, and then use that as a tool to help predict. And then 
you know, looked at that to see how how that correlated with previous recessions, and then mm. based on that, use that as another way to to help predict future recessions. And mm. unfortunately, the 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 way this came up is that the, what that index is showing is that the level of uncertainty right now is as high, is as high as it's ever been. Oh, so well, there you go. It was brought up as an example of a red flag of something we may we, we maybe want to uh, be on the on the lookout for the next year. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't want to switch gears too much on you, but now this the entire conference, both conferences are based out of Canada. Yes. Uh, and I know that this is another branch of your overall parent company in Forma. What was the general feel about uh, investing in Canada specifically? I know that we talk a lot about investing in the United States, but what about uh, investing in Canada currently? So it was very interesting to you know meet investors that are entirely focused on another market and to learn a bit about the Canadian market. And obviously gets very overshadowed by the U.S. just because it's a much smaller market. But it's a pretty dynamic, healthy market, especially you know Toronto and Vancouver came up quite a bit as uh, for for various reasons as being great places to invest, places where a lot of corporations are locating businesses for various reasons, and then that's just sustaining their real estate markets. And in some ways, there's more room for growth in some of those markets than there is in many U.S. markets. So there's, there's been a lot of a lot less development in some places too. So there's room, there's, there's no real supply issues. There's, there's potential to do some real, real, real development. Uh, And, and this is pretty true across all property types, you know, with the exception, you know, retail like in the U S is a little more challenged, but even that seemed like fairly more, seemed more optimistic about the prospects there than, than what I've heard here lately. Hmm. Another thing that was interesting being there was just while they have their own market dynamics, they are hyper aware of what is happening in the U.S. because it just has huge knock-on effects to their economy, you know, which is just not a reciprocal thing. We don't pay attention to the Canadian market in the same way that they would pay attention to the U.S. for just because it doesn't have like the same kind of effects on us. So it was interesting that. So I think for investors there, it's like you know they're 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 very focused on the the core dynamics or what happen what are happening in Canada, and those are good. Like I was saying. But then they're also had just have an eye to the south, and uh, I think one of the takeaways is that for 2020, there's just a general, a little bit of just okay, we don't know what's going to happen with the trade deals, we don't know what's going to happen in the U.S. presidential election, and so while we're pretty optimistic about what's going on, we're going to continue to do business. It's probably going to bit of a, a bit of a, a year of caution just until some of that stuff gets. Sort you know until we know who the president is going to be in the U.S. and we see what happens with the future of trade, you know, global trade, and and some of these other factors that are that that will affect them in pretty deep ways. Gotcha. All right. Well, I know we're getting a little bit short on our our podcast time. Is there anything else that you want to cover uh, from your trip? Um, we did a. I think th- those are like things. The big takeaways. Wrote, I wrote up a, a, a lot of this and a lot more. Put a, put a links to some other stories in, in, a, in a takeaways article at our website, so people, as you know, per usual, can go to nreionline.com uh, to check that out. And also, in the story, do link to the homepage for um, this for for the real estate forums. If and they they do, I think 
this is one of the the Toronto Real Estate Forum is the biggest event I think they do, but they do a series of these all across the country, and they also do some really good topical events too. So if folks want to check that out, they can. There's a link in the story to um, to the stuff they're doing. All right, fantastic! I encourage everybody to check that out. I've got one more thing that I'm going to ask you there, David. Uh, now that you've been up into Canada and you've you've done a little bit of research for us, when we talk about the Parrot Company in Forma. One thing always crosses my mind, and that's the a, a, a rap song from the early '90s. Do you, do you remember that by any chance? Informa. Oh, you are talking about Snow? Yes. So Snow, <laughs> the rapper Snow. Um, I'm not in conspiracy theories here, David, but he is a Canadian rapper. Is there any uh-huh. correlation whatsoever? I, not that I'm aware of, but I will check it out. Uh, David, <laughs> you're hesitating. Is there something we need to know? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Okay, so Informa has run another great couple of conferences, and I know that your travel wasn't the most pleasant uh, to and fro, but it sounds like you learned a ton, and uh, if people want to reach out to you, uh, they can do that. I know that we've we've given out, you know, the information before. You've got the articles, but if they want to hear more about your travel experience, I I would encourage them to give you a call, and then you can, you know, share more of this information with them. Would that be all right with you? Yeah, that would be fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right, David, thank you so much for your time today. It was great. Uh, Welcome back to the States, and uh, I'm glad you you were safe, and enjoy the uh, the rainy Monday, brother. All right. Enjoy your snow. Uh, Yeah. I mean, put on some snow, too. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm going to do right now, just, you know, for nostalgia purposes. All right, and thank you, audience, for listening to the Common Area Podcast with David Bodemer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when David comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your coworkers. Thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at NREI, this is Eric Johnson inviting you back in two weeks for all the stories that matter to you. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Common Area Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of NREI or Informa. The content has been made available for information and educational purposes only.